This is the Spa Retailer Podcast, where we talk retail, business, and all things related to the hot tip industry. I'm your host, Megan Kendrick, owner of Spa Retailer Magazine. So today on the Spa Retailer Podcast, we have Ryan Landwehr, who you may know from another small company in the industry called Watkins, or you may know him as the new owner of A&B Accessories. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan. Thank you so much, Megan. It's a joy to be here. Glad to be talking to the industry and let's kick this off. Yeah. So exciting times for you. You have bought A&B Accessories and this is a new transaction. So we are talking in mid-September and when did this officially get done? September 1st was the official date of takeover. So you haven't even had a full month of ownership yet. So we're getting in on the ground floor. That's right. It feels like six months or longer <laughs> the way the days are going, but absolutely. It's been, it's been a little bit of drinking from a fire hose for sure, but very exciting times and looking forward to the future ahead. Yeah. So before we get into all of that and how you ended up the owner of A&B, could you, to people who don't know you, could you give us a little bit of your personal background, where you grew up, your family and school and all of that fun stuff? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I actually grew up in Minnesota, spent 30 years of my life up there, college and everything. That's actually how I got into the pool and spa business. I started in the commercial side of the pool business when I was 15 years old. I stayed at that job. Yeah. All the way through high school and college. Talk about longevity. My first nine year career was actually in high school and college and it was in the commercial pool business. Talk about a lifer, right? I could not get out. Yeah. What did you do for them? There's a little bit of everything. It was really heavy on the maintenance side. I started doing, it was really on our local municipality. We had nine commercial pools, a huge Olympic size pool. We're in the process of building a new waiting pool uh, in the mm-hmm. community. So I really got to cut my teeth on all of it, but it was heavy on maintenance and construction and just really understanding how pools work. Yeah. And then the longer that went on, the more I transitioned into taking care of people, which I'm like, ah, I don't know if I like this. I like being out riding around in the truck. Machines are definitely not as complicated as humans. <laughs> no. And we were dealing with a 50 year old, very archaic pool. So when we were building this new waiting pool and it had all this technology, we were definitely fish out of water. We're like, oh, what is all this stuff? We're used to like hand cranks and using right. rubber to fix holes. Like <laughs> living the dream. The cool thing about that is it really taught me a lot of mechanical skills, which, you know, now coming into this role very appreciative of learning that stuff early on. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting too. You don't see a lot of crossover, at least it's not as much crossover as you'd think between the pool industry and the hot tub industry. Usually once you've picked your lane, you stay in it. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I think it was Mike Dunn. I think he was at Hayward, which is a big pool company for a while before he ended up at Watkins. So there's a little moving back and forth that you don't usually see, but yeah, so that's fun that you've had a taste of both sides of the industry. Yeah, I think from college when I went into retail, that's why I didn't know what to do next. Had a couple fancy degrees and it's like, oh, what do I do? And marketing information systems at the time, I'm like, what do I do with it? Right. And so I knew the local retailer from the previous role and partly that into managing his shop and learning how to sell, mm-hmm. learning how to do residential pools. And so I had the retail side of it then as well. And that's how I met the Watkins folks. And I came on board there in 2004 as a regional sales manager in the Rocky mountains and then transitioned back to Minnesota. Okay. And that was through the recession era. And then after Mm -hmm. that, they started making acquisitions and that's really where the company and the opportunity started to proliferate. 
Yeah. So you went from working on commercial pools, finishing up your degree, working in retail, got to know Watkins, started as an RSM, and then just kept moving on up the ladder there. Because I think yeah. when you finally uh, moved on from Watkins, you were running their endless pools division, or I guess I don't know what to call it. Yeah, yeah, basically. That was our second big acquisition in 2015 was Endless Pools. Phenomenal company that had been around for 30 years. The innovators of that swim in place technology. The swim spa business was just taking off and it was a big gap for Watkins. We had a lot of our dealers in that space, right? but we weren't doing anything. We couldn't provide them products. So we saw a huge opportunity to take the brand and kind of set up a division of the swim spa category through our wholesalers, through our dealer mm -hmm. network. And that was the part that I got to oversee. And it was phenomenal. It was like, here's a blank sheet of paper, no playbook, get after it. And it gave me the autonomy I wanted. But at the same time, I had great coaching from those above me. Mm -hmm. And it was a phenomenal experience. What a great place to cut your teeth and get an idea of what running something of that size looks like. Yeah. I just, and great people, like you said, to, to learn under and to get some of that tribal knowledge of the industry and manufacturing and everything. It was definitely the manufacturing side, right? When I moved out to Watkins in the end of 2011, beginning of 2012, being inside those four walls, it was like a crash course on everything. Cause I was in product development meetings. I was in sales meetings. I was in supply chain meetings, mm -hmm. engineering, cause I was special project. So <laughs> everything's a special project. <laughs> and so I just <laughs> inserted myself wherever I could to really learn the business. Cause you only know so much from thousand miles away in the field. Absolutely. And that was the launching point for being like, okay, I can do this. And at the same time, pulling on that history from commercial pools, pulling on that knowledge from retail, right? And mm -hmm. understanding how dealers unload things. So that helped me set up the logistics side of it. Understanding good plumbing and engineering, right? From the commercial days that allowed me to help product development, really make a great swim spa. All that, all my tribal knowledge came back into play at that point. Yeah. I know people have heard me say this on the podcast before, but I'm, I'm a manufacturing nerd. I love, I love manufacturing. I love the nitty gritty. You make this change. You save yourself 10 minutes. I love that kind of stuff. It just fascinates me. And so, yeah, I can just, I can see how, like how interesting it would be to not only get to see that part of it, but then like you said, all the other things that go into it that at your average retailer or regional sales manager knows nothing about that. Why would you need to? I joke that in the magazine, we didn't mention supply chain one time in the 11 years that I had worked in the industry before <laughs> the pandemic. And now it's all we talk about. Why did it, we didn't need to know about it? Cause it wasn't an issue. And now suddenly we do. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. And being, and being able to be part of the, the kind of groundbreaking effort of what we were doing you know, I got to know every nut and bolt of the manufacturing side, the logistics mm -hmm. side, just uh, the product. I mean, to this day, I can tell you why we did weird things that somebody else is probably scratching their head going, why did they do that? Right. And yeah. now in my role, in this role, walking into my factory, we're more of a cell operation. So we're building things on tables and everybody's got their working cell. I'm used to more of kind of the carousel effect. And the way we did swim spots was very different than the way we did hot tubs. Mm -hmm. Okay. So even that within our own building at Watkins was different for us. And yeah. it was an adjustment for everybody to get used to that. Yeah. So moving a swim spa through a manufacturing facility, it looks a little bit different than moving to hot tub for sure. And hot tubs are big enough to move around a floor. <laughs> the swim right. spots are ridiculous. And it was incredible. And even from day one, you think you got it all figured out and then you actually get the practicality. It's like when we started making the 20 footer, it's how are we going to move that through the building? Right. That was one and a half times larger than the smallest one we were making. Right. What are we going to do about that? 
Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting because I've been in several hot tub plants and some of those, I mean, they get take up every square inch of space they have. And I don't even know how they make some of those turns with their swim spots. It's amazing. It's incredible people. Let me tell you that if we had a problem, some of the folks back there, we got 30 and 40 years employees that are overseeing those operations. And mm -hmm. let me tell you, when you got a problem, they will find a solution. So having great people on your team yeah. is the ticket to all of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think some people would maybe suggest that you'd already landed in the hot tub industry mecca. You had a nice cush job with a top company in the industry. So what would get you to leave that and, and jump into the firestorm that is business ownership? Literally every day I fire a girl. Uh, my wife was texting me the other morning, like multiple mornings in a row, like between eight and 10 a.m. And how's it going today? I asked her, don't ask me until noon because every day it's a fire hose until lunch where I can finally go, okay, I can catch my breath for the day. But yeah, you're totally right. It was a, a wonderful career opportunity, right? It was 17 great years. Even getting to know the parent company, Masco, was wonderful. And it was a launching pad, but there was an entrepreneurial itch inside me that just the desire to do more. Mm -hmm. And if folks that know me well know I don't sit still very long. I usually have a plan and agenda that's out there, even though I might not articulate it, my wife included. And I just knew in my heart of hearts, I knew it was time mm -hmm. that I got where I was going to get at that level. Maybe over time, things would continue to grow, but I don't want to say impatient. It was just, I was ready to try something new. I was ready for mm -hmm. a challenge and that entrepreneurial itch. I just couldn't let it go. So, yeah. And they no. gave you a taste of it with endless pools because you got to do a whole new thing within the company. So I feel like they, they signed their own destiny there. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit. I definitely had, again, uh, the autonomy to, to get going and do what I want. My good guy, guardrails up that were sure. keeping me within the boundaries of the Watkins end goal. Mm -hmm. But the day to day of making that sucker fly was really just me and a great team of people sitting around ideating, drawing up good long range plans and thinking things through. But you're absolutely right. That is business ownership 101 is the goal of trying not to work on it, but and work, excuse me, not work in it, but work on it. Like how many times do people get caught up in that? And right now I am definitely working in it every day, yep. learning what's going on. But I'm looking yep. to that transition point where, hey, I'm working on it and I got my team set up the way I feel comfortable with. And now we're reaching those goals because mm -hmm. I have a plan, but there's a lot of groundwork that has to happen first. Yeah. But it sounds so when you left Watkins, though, you didn't necessarily have a fully planned out next move. There was a gap between Watkins and A and B. So what kind of went on in that in-between phase of trying to figure out what your next move was going to be? It was a 15-month hiatus. It was the best thing I ever did in my life and career. There was Waffle Wednesday and French Toast Friday at my house. Okay. My kids are missing that because that routine is that's out the door now. Dad's right. gone out of the house early. They're a little bummed about that. It was family time first. That was really the plan. That was the only plan was mm -hmm. I wanted a little bit more time with my kids or at that sweet spot of growing up. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, just to take a breath for a second, I had no plan. You're absolutely right. And nobody could believe that. They're like, oh, Ryan's going here. He's going there. Everyone was guessing what I was going to do. Oh, I definitely, I remember hearing some rumors at that time. Absolutely. Oh, totally. Yeah. Oh, there was definitely some stuff floating around out there. Really? Again, for the support of my wife and family to say, you know what? You do need this. And mm -hmm. my wife will tell everybody I was, the way I slept for those first two weeks after I was off the job and I could just decompress a little bit. Mm-hmm. I miss it right now. Let me tell you, I missed that sleep, but it was perfect. And I needed that as a human and it was a reach. There was no plan. There was no master scheme going on. Mm -hmm. 
It was just Ryan was ready for a break. And I took it. When, so what, when was that? May of 2021. Okay. So we gone through like the first phase of the pandemic. No wonder you needed a break. The whole industry needed a break at that point. We were all like running on empty. It was insane. Yeah. 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 Backlog was just forever. It was infinity. Mm -hmm. We didn't know when we were going to get out of it. Yeah. The introduction of new products had stopped. The way we were running the business and kind of that demand creation mode was gone. And it was a completely different business cycle. And I wouldn't say that's what burned me out. And there's a lot of factors that go into that, but it's just the kind of compilation of everything was like, okay, time out. I'm ready. It's time to go. Yeah. So were your, and how old were your kids during this period then? So like they're eight and 12 now. So seven, 11, six and 10, when I started the Mm -hmm. process, Yeah, it's just an awesome age. And they're so busy and it's just phenomenal. What a wonderful thing to be able to do. And like, what a privilege to be able to do that and have that time to decompress and be with your family in a way that I think we all wish we could. Yeah. And then also really give yourself the space to say, okay, what's next? You're not trying to sneak off your, on your lunch break to do interviews. No, and that was exactly what, you know, what I had told the Watkins folks. I said, I can do it this way, or I can do it that way. And my preference, my integrity, I prefer to just kind of exit stage left in a very mm-hmm. professional way. Because honestly, now having been through the, do I want a job and the job interviewing process, it is a job and you're not yes. fooling anybody. You may think you're fooling somebody, but you're probably not fooling anybody no. when you're trying to take that on as well. It is so difficult. So. No, it's, Hey, why are you wearing a suit to work today? You look nice. <laughs> yeah, it was all like, combed, shaved every day. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, what's going on here? You got yeah. a funeral this afternoon. Right. <laughs> in the zoom world, you can hide a little bit, but we were back right. in the office a little bit and it's, yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you did interview for some jobs. So when you left, you didn't hundred percent say, I'm going to search out a business opportunity, like business ownership opportunity. You were really like w- the sky was the limit as far as what you did. Yeah. I think I knew what I didn't want. And that was, I didn't want to go back to a dealership. Mm-hmm. I've been through that. I knew the ups and downs and it just wasn't where I saw my long-term path. So yeah. There were you, you turned into a manufacturing nerd like me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was turned. I was officially turned. Yeah, I started exploring everything. And that was the fun thing about it. I did a consulting gig for a while with a sunscreen company and really learned like CPG and how difficult it was. It was like a pure startup, like super random, but yeah, the heart and soul of that owner and what he put into it to keep this thing going. Mm-hmm. Man, I admired that much as I admired our dealer group for years and how they poured themselves into that. But it was that pull. And then it was that maybe I just want to go find another fun manufacturing type professional career. Mm-hmm. But that was the one where I kept running in circles. It was like a hamster wheel. Every time I got off it after, especially if it was getting down to the final one, final two, or the offer came in. Mm-hmm. I was, my wife would say all the time, oh man, you're just making excuses. Yeah, you're darn right. I was like, I didn't want to do that. And it was yeah. like just pulling back to the other path. And mm-hmm. that path was doing my own thing and owning my own company. Yeah. So how did you get hooked up with A&B then? How did that end up being the clear winner in this situation? Yeah. So I met John Olson, the previous owner. John became a great vendor partner for Watkins after the acquisition of Endless Pools. Watkins is in the accessory business. They do a great job. Mm-hmm. John was filling a niche that we had zero interest in trying to fill. And we needed somebody quick to solve that solution. And John had great products. So that's why I initially met him, had okay. forged a great relationship. And when I was done, you know, I called John a couple of weeks when I gave my notice, you know, he was somebody I got to notify that I was leaving because of our relationship. Yeah. And he said, great. When's your last day? And I told him, 
And it was within 24, 48 hours. He called me after and said, all right, now we can talk freely. But he said, I'm retiring. My business is for sale. I've been pretty quiet about it, but I'm starting to ramp it up now. I officially want to be done. What do you think? And it was like, wow, this is too soon. And I said, again, I was in kind of decompression stage. Like, oh, sure. Tell me what you've got. I'll take a look at it. Mm-hmm. And nothing scared me. I just wasn't ready to make that decision. And I'm going to yeah. tell you, that man has patience and he wasn't pers- persistent in a good way, right? He wasn't right. pushy, Yeah. but every couple months he would check back in with me. Mm-hmm. And by March of 2022, <laughs> I think I was testing his patience to a whole new level uh, where he's like, listen, you're going to get on a plane and you're going to fly out here. I'm like, okay, you know, remember what he's asking me. He's asking me to relocate my family where our roots are right now. Yeah. So you guys were yeah. in, in San Diego. And right. I think we should mention too, your wife, she also worked at Watkins. So she, right. and she was still there. So you She's guys, still, she still had there. her job. You had your house and your kids were where they needed to be. And where, where is A&B Accessories located? We're in Northwest Arkansas. So a little, just a little different. Just a hair bit away. Yeah. yeah you know, no big deal. flights. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. That was the like, oh, okay. So I remember telling my wife and she's like, Arkansas didn't really put that on the map. But when we decided to make this move (laughs) and Ryan was going to leave, it was like, let's just see what happens. We weren't opposed to moving. Mm -hmm. I just wouldn't say Northwest Arkansas was on the top 10 list at the time. Oh man. Yeah. I can totally relate to that. Cause when we were looking, when my husband was looking for his next thing, we were living in Phoenix and we were, we were going to move. We didn't want to stay in Phoenix long-term, but we were looking at like Portland and Denver and uh, yeah, Norman, Oklahoma, not so much on that list. (laughs) But it's amazing being a Midwest guy and being able to come back here. And every summer we go home, my kids got to go home. Mm -hmm. They love fishing. They love the cabin life. Convincing them was not going to be hard. I think my wife was probably the big one, but even that she was pushing me harder than anybody. Every time I spoke about it, she said, there's a certain thing that comes across to you, a positivity and energy, like why do you keep pushing this aside? She was very right. And I just yeah, yeah. wasn't sure. And so I followed John's advice. I got my butt on a plane and I went out there. And from the second I landed, I'm like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And everybody I've met or anybody that's relocated out here, Northwest Arkansas is like the number fourth great best place to live in the United States right now. It's beautiful. And, and I see why now, like yeah. it's great infrastructure. It's just great weather. It's just awesome. Yeah. Is your, does your wife have Midwest roots as well? Or is she a California born and bred? Straight up San Diegan. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. So that would be a huge change for her, but she'd had a taste of going back to Minnesota with you. So she kind of knew sort of what that lifestyle could look like. Yeah. And she says that all the time. If I hadn't been able to go back for the last 10, 11 years, every year, multiple times Mm -hmm. a year to get a feeling for that, like what that lifestyle is like. She's like this. You were never convinced me of this, but she loved it. I just, we were both not going to move back to Minnesota. It was just too cold. And I knew that's not what I wanted. So we got a happy medium. Like we just more south in much yeah. better winters. So March to September, you guys are working on putting this deal together and you don't need to give us specifics, but as someone who has purchased a business, it's not the easiest process. <laughs> no. uh, you always need more money than you have. And you got to figure out where to get that from and how to figure it out. And there's always a ton of moving parts. And I always think it's good to talk through that a little bit, at least even in generalities, because I just think other people need to hear that it's also doable. And, And in our industry, it's, yeah, this was really hard. And I was an employee of this place. And this is how I figured out a way to be able to become a business owner. I think that's something that people often can't get over in their minds. Like, yeah. 
that next step because it just seems so unattainable when you're making a salary and punching a clock. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The start factor is very real. Like it's paralyzing to a lot of people about how do I make the leap? Like, what do I actually do? Yes. And what do I actually do? Yes. Right. Like, <laughs> so hard. Do, you do? <laughs> yes. do I just call a banker and say, yeah. Hey, I need some money. What do you do? <laughs> yeah. I would say that I started the process back in October of 2021 of what would it be to own my own business? What's going to take. Yeah. And because I was doing this little like mini consulting gigs, like I got a little taste of setting that up really small, like not really even a business, just enough to like, okay, I think I can do this. Right. And then an overall acquisition, that's a whole different kettle of fish, right? So I had gone through so many different, I would say, journeys of what's the right business for me? Is it franchising? Is it not in the pool and spa industry? Is it retail? Is it a startup? I got dangerous enough from reading and podcasts and research mm-hmm. about all the ins and outs. So when John and I got serious, which I'd say was really probably April of 2022, then I kind of had my ducks in a row, right? Like I kind of knew how I would go about it. Yeah, I knew what to look out for. And so it did. It took me five, six months of wrapping my head around all the ins and outs of an acquisition. Yeah. And what would that look like? Yeah. Having a great lawyer, having a great CPA on board, bam, check those boxes. Number one and two, right. you're going to need them. And, and then honestly, I think I was so scared from it's probably too many podcasts, like oversaturation of information. <laughs> I was uh-huh. so prepared for like Armageddon of this is going to blow up at any second. Yeah. And this goes back to John and and to his credit, like knowing him and having a relationship with the person that's selling was hugely helpful. It wasn't some random person who I couldn't trust, or at the end of the day, we each had our own agenda. There's no doubt about that. I'm in it for me, not for him, but the relationship helps bridge the unknowns or the disagreements. They're Mm -hmm. easier to talk through because you're not going to agree hundred percent. That is impossible. So yeah. I and you can just was, have much more candid conversations yeah. and you're not trying to pull the wool over the eyes from the other person. Like you've got that relationship and yeah, the same, same thing in my experience, buying it from someone that I already knew and trusted, it made it a much easier situation than otherwise. I don't think I could have pulled the trigger if it, if I was trying to do this with a stranger. I just, yeah. I'm not sure I have enough faith in humanity for that. Yeah. No, I definitely don't. And then if you listen to maybe too many podcasts, it'll, <laughs> you'll be done. You'll be out. You'll be like, you know or, what? That comfy check sounds a lot better. Or if you, you spend a career interviewing small business owners and listening to them tell you everything that could possibly go wrong in every kind of business deal imaginable. You're like, yeah, I can... On the one hand, you feel sort of prepared, right? On the other hand, yeah, too much. Way too much. That that over-information can be a detriment too, because you Mm -hmm. start to overthink everything. Analysis paralysis sets in and you're like, I got to just, this is this, there's, I'll tell you one thing that really helped me from the day I left was networking. Okay. In our industry, but mostly out of our industry. I started connecting with some of the most random people. And I tell you, every one of them, and I put this in my post on LinkedIn, I don't think most of those folks realize how much they help me, even if it's just a little snippet of information. I took a lot away from that. They're just little tidbits of information along the way were really helpful in me saying, just make a decision. Just go. you got to start somewhere and you're probably not going to be right the first time. So right. just start and then course correct and don't do anything so detrimental. You can't course correct. So that's the biggest thing is just avoid the major yes major, you know, holes. (laughs) Don't fall in it. 
So yeah, I'm the kind of person that I want to have all of the information before I make a decision. And it's just not realistic. And fortunately, the older I get and the more that I've had to make some big decisions in my life, I've gotten to the point where it's you make the best decision you can with the information you have and you don't look back. You yeah. just got to decide and go for it. But yeah, sometimes yeah. getting to the actual decision, pulling the trigger, this is what we're going to do. That's the hardest part. And then once you've decided, then it's just a matter of trying to do all of the things. And there's always way more things than you could have ever imagined. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? I always say sometimes to you, I think business owners or entrepreneurs and people that have that kind of just, I'm going to go for it attitude. They're missing something up here. Okay. And I liken it to people that have no problem cold calling or knocking on door. No, it doesn't bother you. It just doesn't, you just brush it off and go on to the next thing where some people are petrified of being told no. Yeah. And I think I'm missing that chip a little bit that says, uh -huh. Hey, slow down the whole moving process within two weeks, because I'd moved so many times. I just had to figure it out. And my wife said, hold on a second. I've never moved like this. She's trying to get to B and I'm on G step G like we're going. Yeah. And I think entrepreneurs work in that manner. Sometimes is you just have that fear. You see something and you have no problem trying to reach it. And sometimes you're a little oblivious to what's going on around you. And so you got to take it back a notch every now and then. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest, um, I think the most important skill that small business owners need to have is just is problem solving is bravery and problem yeah. solving. Those are the, those are like the two kind of character traits that you need as a small business owner. You need to be able to look at something and not be like, you know, devastated by it. You need to be able to look at something and say, I can fix that. You need yeah. to be that kind of person because that's, because that's what you spend all day, every day doing, no matter what stage you're at in your business. That is what you're doing day in and day out is all right. We got this challenge. We have this problem. We have this new thing we want to do. How are we going to do it? And you just attack it. You nailed it. At the end of the day, right? You typically small business, you don't have a gazillion resources. There's not an army of 2000 people like the environment right. I come from that I can call on and be like, I don't understand the supply chain thing. Why don't you handle it? Yeah. No, no. no today <laughs> I definitely, I was thinking about that today as I like unjammed my printer. It's like, there's no one around here to do this for me. I am the tech support, HR, like legal team. got it all, all covered. <laughs> Literally the first day I spent re-networking our computers because there'd never been more than three active computers on our network. And everybody's like, it's back in the back room. I'm like, I need to see it. I got to pull the information off of it. Yeah. Oh, we got an IT guy. It's, you know what? Going to have to dig out those IT skills. I think I know how to do this. And yeah. you really become kind of jack of all trades to some degree. Yeah. You're going to reach a point where you need those resources, but most of us don't have the checking account to go and just start hiring you and you like, you don't have exactly. those specialties anymore. It's, yeah. it's yeah. you are it. <laughs> and it's, I think there's that trial by fire that is, I think is also just so great as you do move along and you don't need to do it all yourself you've got that knowledge and you're like, yeah, I fixed that at one point in my career in this building. I know how to do that. I'm just not going to anymore. And you are yeah. going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This yeah. morning I, we were looking at a new product and my production manager was like, listen, and he's been there 30 years. He is the most soft-spoken, generous man. And he, <laughs> we're talking about this new and he goes, you cannot let me and John influence what you want to do. This product needs to have your mark on it. I mm -hmm. already like where you're going with it. Just keep pushing me to do things differently. Yep. And I just laughed. I'm like, but I just don't want to do that. Yeah. I like your guidance. Thank you for that advice. But right. you're, you know, yeah. like, just, just do it. I'm like, <laughs> okay.
I feel like that's how you know you've got a good team player when they're like, it's okay if you make me uncomfortable in my job. I'm willing to go there with you. <laughs> that's right. And so, yeah, can you drive a forklift? That was 20 years ago. I think I remember how, but I'll try it again. Let's see yeah. what happens. I'll try yeah. to break we'll, anything. We'll figure it out. <laughs> I think then you get to the hard part where you have to start letting go of things that you actually like to do, and but you have to for the good of your business and for it yeah. to grow. I feel like that's the stage that I'm in where it's, I need to bring on, I've brought on a full-time editor, which means a lot of that writing and things that I like, that's why I started doing this. I got my master's degree in journalism. And so starting to hand that off is a weird thing. And it feels, I don't always, I don't always like giving up that control. I think about when you bought the business, there's probably things the previous owner was doing that you're like, mm, I'm not going to do that. Or I don't like to do that. And right. that's John and I, we laugh a little bit. Like I start talking IT and he literally will get up and leave the room. He's I don't want any of this. But and he starts talking about screws and nibs and why we do this. I'm like, you know, do yeah. I have to know this? Are there, yeah. are there people that know this stuff? Like, I do not want to know this, John. Yeah, I don't, what's a nib? I don't know what a nib is. Bottom of the screw helps it bite the wood. It's a whole thing. Okay, Trust got me, it. Megan. All right, yeah. cool. <laughs> Wait, next time you're looking at a screw, look at the underside. You'd be like, oh, wow, that's a nib. If it has a All nib, right. you'll go, that's great. All right, good. why they I, use nibs. <laughs> now I know. This was, if nothing else, this podcast was good just for that tidbit for me. <laughs> Tuck it in the useless information pile. We're all plenty of it. I, John spent 30 years in the building industry, right? Like mm -hmm. he's super comfortable in that space. Yeah. And he's a great salesman. That is his thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's me starting to unwind the things that John did that I need to do, the things that John did that I should do, and the things that John did that I'm just not going to do. And yeah. we're going to find good people to do that. But that kind of transformation does not happen overnight without freaking everybody out. Like yeah. one of the first things I did probably three weeks before I officially closed, I bought my kind of number two person in the shop. I bought her the book, the ad car book about change management. Oh, because I said, listen, I've read this book. I've taught classes about this book. I believe in the book. Okay. Mm -hmm. When I'm making decisions, it'll help you understand where I'm going with something. If you under, you read this and she said, this is awesome. It gives me great groundwork for your brain and how you're going to mm -hmm. tackle problems and change management in a situation like this is very real because there's a ton of loyalty a lot of times to the previous mm -hmm. owner sure. and you have to come in and earn that trust. I don't expect it to be given to me. Right. And I made that very clear to the team on day one. I said, because of the way John spoke about you, you have my trust. It's yours to lose. Right. It's not that way with me. And I get that. I have to earn it. And I expect to do that over time. Not tomorrow, not next week, but over time, let me earn your trust. And so mm -hmm. far, I think we're on the right track. Ever wish your hot tub kicked things up a notch, giving extra oomph to your trouble spots? The stunning new crown collection by Marquis has all the oomph you need and much more. High output therapy zones or hot zones deliver massive flow volumes to targeted shoulder zones, lumbar zones, and foot zones. That extra oomph to pummel your trouble spots into submission. Meanwhile, the patented dynamic flow control valve lets you dial in the perfect sensation. Enjoy gentle hydrotherapy or deep tissue massage in the very same seat. No other hot tub brand has this feature. Want the most elegant and flexible hydro massage system on the market? Choose the Crown Collection by Marquis. Luxurious quality, exceptional value, and a full range of sizes and price points. Marquis, the ultimate hot tub experience. Yeah. So when I heard that you were buying A&B accessories, I was like, that is perfect. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So A and B is they've they've been flying, I feel like under the radar 
as far as like an industry wide, I feel like if you're maybe a retailer, you might not know who they are, even if you sold their products. They service a lot of OEMs. They also sell individual things. I've never been to their facility, so I, I don't know what that looks like, but it just seems like a space that is ready for someone to come in and shake things up a little bit. Yeah, it's a great evolution of the business, right? I'm the third owner. The originators started out by solving a problem. And that problem was they were a hot spring dealer Hmm. and they were, how do you make steps? They were making their own steps. And then Watkins approached him and said, hey, would you make our steps? And that's how the business got formed. When John took it over in the early 2000s, everything was made out of Redwood, even hot tubs at the time. It was at mid 2000 and everybody started to transition to kind of a hybrid product. And so John saw that coming And he started positioning the company in 2006 and 2008 to go to a plastic material composite. And by 2016, everything had switched over to composite in full realm. But think of that transition, like a 10 year spread to get there because of the OEMs were slow, customers were slow to adopt. Like we're not the fastest moving industry. Well, and it's, and, but that's, and that's not an easy changeover. I feel like the process to manufacture a wood product versus a plastic product or a composite product is just has to look totally different. We, we, uh, we had a place a transformer last Friday and it was back in the corner of the building. And when they lifted it up, the amount of sawdust that was still sitting there from the early 2000s in the late Amazing. 90s. Yeah, we had a, un- we had, hold on a second here. You know, let's clean that up. And John said it was just a mess in there. It was just a haze of sawdust flying everywhere every I day. Bet. Yeah. And now it's everything's clean and it's harder particles that just falls. We don't have any mm-hmm. of that. But he really has transitioned the business perfectly and he's positioned me for just absolute growth and just product innovation maybe a level of business sophistication on the operational side from the machines we use and the cell manufacturing. Like what is the next evolution of that? That's Ryan's thing to solve. Yeah. It's interesting because you do, when you do look at businesses that have, that have multiple owners over a certain period of time, there, it seems to be this trajectory of what each new owner brings. So you have the founders who, like you said, solve a problem. And then you have that next person that sort of refines the operation. And a lot of times it is the actual product, right? That they are fixing and refining. And then you get, and then once you get to that third owner, there's still operational changes to be made, but a lot of it is in the technology and sales and marketing sort of range that you see that third person come in and do, because that's where that business is usually at. You've got a steady base of customers. You have a steady, you've got good products that are solid. It's just refining those things and making it more efficient and faster and better, all those kinds of things. And and I think, and from your experience at Watkins, that seems like it would also be a perfect fit because I feel like that's where they have been at for a while is they've got this thing and and now it's just nitpicking things to perfection. And so I feel like you're getting to do the same thing over here. Is, and I don't mean nitpicking in a negative way. There's that continuous improvement that we all strive for. So I, that's really interesting looking at it from that perspective. Yeah. And I think it's what makes me the most excited about a business like this, right? Is it coming into such a stable environment, a stable staff, to your point, stable products, a great customer base. Yeah. There's the next levels are, you know, diversification. We're heavy in the pool and spa. Most people don't know we're actually serving like the hospitality industry too. Mm-hmm. And there's so much business there that a one man band cannot do that. So 
that might be a separate category of our business that we need to expand on. Things do slow down. We're coming out of this pandemic era where hot tubs were the gold rush. And we want to be prepared for that. That diversification is going to be key to our next milestone of growth. Yeah. yeah. And how great you talk about key staff and key customers. I imagine that you probably know a lot of the customers and already have relationships with these people for the most part, don't you? Oh yeah. It's been, that's a, that was the most fun part of the job is the relationships. That's right. what makes the business world go around. That's my networking yeah. fun that I got to do while I was away, but the number of people I stayed in touch with. I always kind of had that extension too with my wife. She was still involved. She still works at Watkins. So mm -hmm. I got to hear some of the dealers that are doing great and asking about me, which would remind me to call them and check in. And I love that part. I spent almost 20 years building those relationships. So to step into this chair and find out they're equally good customers just at a different scale is really cool. And it's been yeah. fun in the last month picking up the phone and, hey, it's Ryan from AV Accessories. And all of a sudden it's here to this pause and it's like, Ryan Landwehr? <laughs> yeah. How you doing, George? It's like, yeah, oh, great. You know, like, it's it's uh, it's been really fun. Like, I, and I, I I enjoy that part of the job very much. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, when I took over the magazines, it, it was like I didn't want to. I had ten years of relationships, and I didn't want to start over on that part yeah. of it. And it's really cool to see people come out of the woodwork to support you too. And the you know, it's just like. It's a really heartwarming thing. There's good people in our industry. Sometimes people will bend over backwards to help you out. Like they want you to succeed and believe in what you're doing. And it's just such a, I cannot describe what that feeling is like. It really is. It is a very heartwarming thing, right? It's like meeting a family member and giving them a hug and that warmth you get being close to the people you love. And in a weird way, this is an extension of family. Yeah. I know some of these people so well and a lot of things about them that a lot of other people don't know. And because Watkins built that business on relationships. And so mm -hmm. spending time and we went through some tough times in the you know, 2009 and that recession and it got real for a lot of folks. And yeah. man, it was like, how are we going to get through this together? And being again, it was their business, but I was right on the peripheral of everything they had to go through, almost losing their home or good. It was scary and yeah. man, but it formed some really tight relationships and there is, there are no words for it. And it's, like I said earlier about my post on LinkedIn, I wasn't going to try and thank anybody other than my wife because I would absolutely What's, forget somebody because there are right. so many people that would call and check in on me or since I made yes. the acquisition, they're like, how you doing, buddy? Do you need anything? Like yes. they're at that point of their career that they're now more the coach than the player. Yeah. And I'm telling you, man, they're gems. And I hope I get to be there someday right. to help somebody else achieve something like this too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you talked about too, about keeping key employees, which Man, that is such a huge deal, especially when you look at just the hiring issues that are across the country. It is so tough. And so how great that you can step into this situation where you've got some long-term people who know what they're doing. And then it sounds like for the most part, everyone is on board and excited about doing some new stuff, which is not the norm. Yeah. Yeah. We're a small enough team that like being the new guy, I pulled everybody in the office yesterday and we're working on a new product. And I said, there's two things, there's five things I love about this. And there's two things I would love to see us try and accomplish. And I got to explain to them what I was thinking. And I could see the light bulb for a couple of them going off. Maybe like, you know, this isn't this guy's first rodeo either. Yeah. And again, it's part about building that trust. They got to go, okay, does this guy yeah. know what he's doing or not? And by this morning, they had already made changes to the product. They're asking for my feedback, but I do believe in that collective effort of rallying the troops at times. And I think right now in our environment, as they're, as I'm trying to earn that trust, 
it's critical that we continue to have those types of moments together because they are essential to what we do. They really are. So we already talked about, you already mentioned that you're working in a new product. You already mentioned that you're looking at the hospitality industry as a potential place where you can expand. But what, are there any other things that you have planned for A and B that you are ready to talk about or, or just, or mention or let the industry know, Hey, this is what we're, what we're going to be up to. Yeah, I think of the top three, the third one is for us is going to be SKU simplification. We're very much in the custom business right now. We will literally build you anything you want. Yeah. You want a 39 inches? We'll do that. You want a 32? We'll do that. And I take orders every day. And my, I'm like, really? We're going to build that? I know. And right before yeah. I left for this, I my book the order taker bookkeepers asked me, she goes, hey, this person wants to do this. I'm like, no. And she's, I'm like, no. We're going to get good at saying no. So yeah, we, no, that's we, so we, funny. Like when I, if you ask me what I knew about A and B accessories, that would be one of the things that I would tell you is that I know about them is that they will make anything you ask them to make. And that's a kudos <laughs> to the staff we have. These are woodworkers. These are very talented people right. who have transitioned to composite and can still build you anything you want. And yeah. we just have to get better at no, because our backlog is not getting smaller. It's getting bigger. Our lead times aren't getting better. Mm -hmm. And in order to provide great customer service to our customers and, and ultimately the end user, we have got to speed up the shop and right. we're not going to get there with 5,000 SKUs that are 5,001 by the end of the day, because we took on another thing. Like I'm not doing that. So yeah, no, I, I mean, would that's... prepare everybody that is buying stuff from us. There's going to be, I want to make it easier for you. Right. I heard you repeatedly. We will make it easier. <laughs> yeah. I know that's such a, I think that's a long-term thing we're going to see come out of the industry is that I think all manufacturers had to take a look at what they were making and say, where can we simplify? Because we have to get faster and more efficient. And so I think the days of having an infinite number of SKUs and features, and I think that's, I think that's going by the wayside. And I think that it's for the better of the customer. You think that everybody, like people want to have endless options and get to choose exactly what they want it and exactly, but really most people don't. They just want you, the salesperson, to tell them what they need that's best for what they already told you they want and get it and be done. Yeah. I don't need to be picking out like my jet face colors. Yeah. No. no, like, please don't, please don't make me do that. Put some research behind it and put the best products in front of me. And that's where you get to be unique. It's how you get to run your company yes. by being different than everybody else so that you have a uniqueness and brand differentiation is real, but trying to be everything to everybody is a recipe for disaster. And it's a disaster in my head. I can feel it already every day. Like we're not doing that. We're not doing that anymore. And if you manufacturers, okay, I'm talking to all my friends out there. Yeah. Stop with the color changes. You're killing me. Okay. Can we just do everything in mocha and gray? Can we just do that for me? Because I got Look a gray and black. You're please, good to go. Please. That would, we would just make it easy on everybody. Us, the customer. Yeah. That was a big thing for endless. When we got to the color choices, it was like two choices. We're going with two. Because if you put five in front of them, they're just going to get confused. And we're still only going to sell predominantly two. Two colors. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just now we sell 50% of one. 50 it's true. Of yeah. Two. And if someone it's really needs a custom color, they can build a fence in front of their <laughs> awesome. And go find like, somebody who'll do custom work and pay them five times as much. Good for exactly. you. I don't need that. So yes. yeah. Yes. Yeah. It does not improve your experience in any way, shape or form with us as the dealer or the, or the manufacturer. No, And this is, there's so much emphasis put on style and design, which I love. I think that's hugely mm -hmm. important, but I put that on us to do that work. Know what's trending, know what's happening in the backyard, mm -hmm. 
be cognizant of how people are living their lives and utilizing their space and then put the best product possible forward for them. Yeah. I just, I don't see the challenge. Why make that any more difficult than it has to be? And then at the same time, simplify what we're doing, right? Right. And make it easier for us too. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine that. I mean, it all sounds good. And I'm sure that customers are are like, yeah, please make things faster. Get me things quicker. But yeah, until you start telling them no to things that they're used to getting, maybe that's a little bit tougher conversation in the short term, but eventually it gets to the point where it's manageable for you and they understand the, the limits, the boundaries. Well, with Endless, I got to really see at the seller, right? At the retail sales level, mm-hmm. who I have the most passion for what they do every day and grinding it out and taking the nose. I noticed yeah. our product was very complicated. It wasn't like selling a hot tub. So Endless Women's Bot is complicated. Yeah. And so I've carried that through to saying, we're not going to do complicated things because when we try to sell this, which means our sellers have to sell it and it's really confusing to them, they just stop doing it. They just don't do yeah. it anymore. And yep. that is always a just massive negative at and a stopping point for growth is making things too complicated. Let's just make it easy for them. So I'm very much geared in that heading in that direction. Yeah, that's great. I'm sure people will be very excited to hear that. Is there anything else that you want to let people know about about A and B or for your plans or what you guys are doing? I just want to make sure that I give you. I go, yeah. make sure I give you some time to make your pitch. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. you've done a great job. And I think I've got to do it along the way. Honestly, kudos to John and his, him looking forward to retirement. He's been tremendous along the way. I know even as he slowly steps away here now in, in October and goes on to enjoy his next phase of life, I know I could call him at any point. He's been wonderful mm-hmm. to me yeah. and to everybody else that's been a mentor or offered up a word of encouragement. Mm-hmm. I just, I can't thank you individually enough for how much that has meant to me and my family. We're super excited about this. We love the industry. We love the backyard. It's a great space and I see great things in the future. If we're not doing business together, we'd love to hear from you. I'll see you at the shows. I'll still be around. So I very much look forward to continuing on in this wonderful industry. Uh, yeah. Are you going to Are you gonna be at the Pool Spot Patio Expo in Vegas? I will be there. I'll keep under wraps what we're doing for right now because it's going to yeah. be really cool, but I will definitely be there. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah. All right, great. Before I let you go, I'm going to ask you the Spa Retailer 5. Are you ready? Go for it. All right. <laughs> what was your first sale in the industry that you remember? It could be at Watkins. It could go all the way back to your commercial pool days, but do you remember what that first sale was? Unequivocally. Unequivocally. I was in a cutoff t-shirt in the warehouse, rearranging it on a forklift because that's what I was told to do that day. And they said, there are a gazillion people in the showroom, get up here and help us. And I walked up and somebody said they're looking for a hot tub and I sold them a sovereign. That's amazing. And Looked a cut grody, off t-shirt. Cut off t-shirt, Great. dirty, had really no idea what I was doing. Like I just winged it and yep. got there it. There you go. I'll never and then, forget it. And the, you knew you got, got the taste. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, then I was hooked. That was it. That was dangerous. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Selling thing is fun. What was your first real job? Was it at the commercial pool company or did you like flip burgers or have a paper route before then? Uh, It was two of them. And I finally told my wife about this several years after being married, but it was, I worked at Kmart for two months, Nice. two months in a tie, like checking people out. I got great stories about 9 PM at night, what happens in Kmart and people coming through there, but that was not for me. I was not good at that at all. I was not cut for that. I was in and out of there in two months. And the next thing after that was the pool job at oh, uh, yeah. 15 plus years old. Oh yeah. I can't imagine. I'm not sure there are very many jobs that would be harder than dealing with people at a big box store. <laughs> yeah, it's just 
it was so bad. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. And wearing that cheesy tie was just as bad. So yeah, I'm wearing a tie at Kmart. That's amazing. And Kmart's yeah. like basically disappeared at this point. It's gone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. think it was my fault, but it's definitely gone. <laughs> so we like to ask people what their kind of biggest flop or worst idea that they've tried has ever been. And then on the flip side, maybe what is one of the biggest game changers? So it's, it's always nice to see like, where's an area where you failed, but you've still survived. And like, here you are. And this is your, this was maybe your best idea. <laughs> yeah. The biggest fail, no publicly, if I should say what it is, but um, let's just say there's been a couple of really bad ideas at, at, in the Watchmen's roles that I was allowed autonomy sure. and they just sure. didn't quite pan out the way I was hoping. I don't want to say yeah. which one specifically, but right. on you, the don't flip speak, side, you don't want to speak out of school. <laughs> no, but there was definitely a couple of bad ones in there. And to your point though, on retrospect, there are a couple of great things we did that really gave that swim sabab business a boost mm -hmm. that had never been seen in the industry before, whether it was our LMS system and how we train people, uh, mm -hmm. product design, product innovation, right? We got to do some really cool things that- Yeah, I know. It's amazing that you guys came out with the endless model and five, however many years later- there's a lot of swim spas that have a similar look to them. It like, it took off and people took notice for sure. Yeah. The old, the old saying about copy is flattery, right? Like, and uh, <laughs> you I'm said well copy aware. Copy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the last question for the spa retailer five, we're almost there. I like to ask people if they have a favorite book or TV show or podcast movie, maybe it's for entertainment, but maybe it's also something that helps you run your business too, or both. Yeah. I think from the podcast perspective, there were several great podcasts just about starting small businesses, franchising, and just standalone mm -hmm. businesses. I wouldn't say there was one specific from like an investment standpoint. I follow somebody called White Coat Investor, puts on a tremendous podcast just about investing and just the future of money and seems to be always very dialed into trends and stuff like yeah. that. Um, movies and shows and things like that. My wife have a, we have a long list of things we're going through, but even the funny ones like suits and things like that are very business related. When you're in that world, you can relate to what's going on. And I think it makes it even more entertaining. So yeah, that's usually my genre is somewhere yeah. in that action yeah. business category. Yeah. Succession is hilarious, right? Oh like, my gosh. Like, these guys are nuts. And yeah. like, that stuff does happen. What's so funny is that Succession came out like right around the same time that I was buying the business. And my, people kept saying, are you watching Succession? Are you watching Succession? And I turned it on and it gave me so much anxiety because yeah. it's basically about a media company failing. And I, I was just like... <laughs> And people kept asking me, don't you love that show? It's so good. And I'm like, I can't watch it. I can't do it. And now I have gone back and watched it and enjoyed it. And it is a great show. But when it first came out, I was like, I would, it was literally like heart pounding. I wouldn't be able to sleep when it was over. I couldn't, I could not do it. <laughs> I, you know what? I can't relate from the media perspective. And I'm yeah, kudos to you for hanging in there and doing that. But from the big corporate perspective and all the oh. stuff that goes on, yeah. oh my gosh, it's like spot on sometimes about the ridiculousness that happens. And it's like, all right, whatever. Yep. Yep. No, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. It is a good show. Check it out. I think it's HBO. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, Very Ryan, good. thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Congratulations on buying the business. Welcome to this side of things. Thank you. <laughs> it does. It does get better. FYI. <laughs> thank you. I need that right now. <laughs> yeah. It gets better. Thank you for taking, you know, a, a, some time out of your fire hose drinking day to, yeah. to chat with the Spa Retailer podcast. This is definitely going to be the best part of the day. No doubt about it. So thank oh, you for okay. having me on. Appreciate all the things you're doing for the industry and look forward to seeing you around. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Ryan. Take care.
The Spa Retailer Podcast is a production of Spa Retailer Magazine. Let us know what you think by leaving a review or emailing us at podcast at spa Thanks for listening.